Shot is no good. The rebound tapped back outside. The cannon drives the lane. Blocked by Wolf. Rebound Pennsylvania. Dave Wall. The Bilski's Leon two to Wall in the middle. Up and good. Leon two fast break. Executed to perfection. Here comes Fields the other way to the foul. Gets to the foul line. Blocked from behind by Wall. Wolf with the rebound. No good. Rebound Bob Wolf. Pennsylvania. Hot left pass to Bilski. Kick is going to run again. Bilski has Calhoun and Wolf all the way underneath. Can he go through? Welcome to the Penalty Box. I'm Sam Mitchell here as always with Carter Thompson and Mark Margolis. Except Mark Margolis has left us for the beautiful city of London. He's uh, over across the Atlantic Ocean studying abroad, so it's actually just Carter and I today. Um, and possibly later down the road this semester we'll be adding um, somebody else to join us here on the Penalty Box, but for right now it's just Carter and I. Carter, welcome back from winter break. Happy to be back. Um, I'm really happy that this is like our third take because I was already crying before this. And so I've gathered myself, I've gathered my thoughts, but I am desperately missing Mark. And so Mark, if you're listening to this, which I hope you are, then I just want you to know that I miss you. We miss you very much, Mark. Um, I think all the listeners will miss you, but we're gonna try and soldier on and do our best to uh, bring the same level of intensity and, and uh, hot takes that we always have. Which we undoubtedly will do. Oh, for sure, for sure. We, we don't need him. We'll, we'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, let's just jump right into it. I think we have a lot to talk about. The last time, the last time we spoke on the podcast, this is almost, almost uh, unbelievable, Penn men's basketball had not beaten Villanova since, what, 2002? Mm-hmm. The last time we spoke. And now uh, they've beaten Villanova. They've beaten Miami. They had a really roller coaster winter break. And then... Um, you know, kind of a very disappointing start to the Ivy season, but um, I guess just you have any any preliminary thoughts or reactions to any of the news? Well, really, what we can't truly convey is how amazing it was to be in the palestra when Penn beat Nova. That was one of the all-time greatest atmospheres that I have personally ever experienced at a sporting event. And to be able to experience it as a fan, as a fan of the team that won, was just incredible. To run onto the court afterwards was just amazing. But then the high of that has now been met with the lows of losing twice to Princeton in a row and also dropping a game to a winless team being Monmouth. And so it's really been this unbelievable high followed by this unbelievable low. And I think really the question that I want to ask you, Sam, is should we really be worried about this Penn team that was just so unbelievably hot earlier this season? You know, I, I, I think you have to be worried. Anytime you lose um, two back-to-back conference games, you should be worried about the direction your season's heading in. You know, it, it's, it's really disappointing because cause way back before break with that Nova win, you know, you're kind of getting, getting these flashbacks to the, to the days before you and I are born when, when Big Five basketball was super relevant, when Penn basketball was super relevant. And you're looking at this team and they have some depth. They have a coach that, I, you, you know, you and I both uh, think has done a great job with this program. And um, it, it felt almost like we were back in those days, especially in the historic palestra. But... Um, snap back to reality real quick, uh, and it, it's something that I think would definitely not have made those uh, legends of Penn basketball proud, losing back-to-back to um, rival Princeton, uh, especially a Princeton team that, you know, coming out of the gate um, has had an all-right non-conference, but really not that much to write home about and has not been picked by 
uh, at least prior to these, these two victories by the Princeton squad, has not been picked to go very far uh, in conference play. And, um, so yeah, I, I think Penn needs to do some serious, serious self-reflection. I was hoping they would do it before the second Princeton game. Uh, they clearly haven't, or they haven't done enough of it. Um, they need to, need to figure something out. I think a lot of it rests on Donahue. You know, they clearly have more talent. Um, they just have to put it together. Yeah, I really could not agree with that more. I think that you can really point to the offensive side of the ball as the area that they've struggled. You know, earlier this season we saw them scoring 80, 90, 100 points and really consistently getting into those realms of scoring that are just so elite in college basketball. And they were nearly averaging 80 points a game earlier this season. And now over these last few games they're averaging 59 points a game. And I think that that is just a significant drop-off. And if you look at the teams that they're playing, Toledo's a very good you know, mid-major program this season. They're having a good year. It could be a team that's very disruptive in the, in the tournament come March. And so that game is one where you can kind of attribute it to, we just played a better team and got beat. But then you look at the game at Monmouth and you look at the two Princeton games, You know, those are games that we thought that this team was going to be capable of winning earlier in the season. But when you don't get the ball into the hoop enough times, you're going to lose the game. And so I really think that that's been their downfall, at least lately. Yeah, and, I, you know, it's interesting because I, I think my concern going into the season would have been more that they would have stumbled out of the gate in the non-conference, you know, with all of the drama at the end of last season, uh, you know, making the tournament with that incredible win over Harvard and then all the hype before the Kansas game. We don't have to rehash it all. We, we all lived through it. But, you know, my concern would have been that, that they were kind of looking ahead, assuming they were going to make the next tournament. Um, and then they started so strong, and, and I don't know where, where along the line the focus got lost, but it clearly has really been in a shooting funk at Princeton, as you mentioned. Um, they also have just not been playing disciplined basketball. I mean, you can chalk up a little bit of this stuff to the refs, but um, they, uh, Princeton had nearly twice as many free throw attempts as, as Penn, and Penn, you know, that this is not an area where you, Penn can, can uh, give up these things because they shoot them so poorly. I mean, Princeton shot 19 of 21 free throws. I don't think Penn has ever shot anywhere in the 90s percentile for free throws, at least not uh, at the time that I've been following the team. Um, and so to have such a deficit, I mean, even I mean, they shot better from the beyond the three-point arc than Princeton did. Um, not they didn't shoot well from beyond the three-point arc, but they shot better at uh, around better the same number, right? Uh, around the same number of attempts. Um, but it was just these these kind of mental mistakes on offense. It, it's you know, it's it's something that's that's a little hard to see in the box score a little bit. Um, although the the free throw percentage certainly isn't. But like you, you know, when uh, when AJ is missing. You know these shots inside, the, these little hooks, and and uh, you know when he's he's got the matchup. Those are places where you need your. Uh, he's an upperclassman, right? He's a junior on this team. He's a, an, clearly an incredible player. That's where he needs to step up. Those are shots that need to go in. Um, and so he, even if the percentages are are, are kind of there, uh, I think those those are momentum killers, and and those are what what tells Princeton that they've kind of got our number. You know, hopefully hopefully they can turn it around and we can see a matchup in the the Ivy League tournament, but. Uh, to, to get to get beat like this by your, your rival twice has, has got a sting for them. Yeah, and I mean, it, it's also slightly disappointing, too, because now, you know, obviously we saw this team come back from whatever it was, an 0-6 start in conference play to then reach the tournament final. But, you know, 
now it's like, okay, if you get upset on the road against one of these other teams in sort of a fluky type game, those games become more magnified because you've already dropped two out of the gate. And then, granted, also, you might not get the top seed that you would want in the tournament come time. The Ivy League tournament is still pretty new, but for for, for a young team like Penn is, they're going to be used to playing it at the Palestra. It's going to be a very different experience playing it at Yale. And uh, to go in there um, without a full, you know, without a lot of momentum, without a lot of confidence is, is going to potentially spell for a lot of trouble. Um, yeah, no doubt. I mean, and I really think that you can look at, I mean, an easy thing to point to in terms of the lack of offensive production was Michael Wang's injury. I think that that's something that you can say, well, they were playing so well and they had such great continuity on offense that when he fell off or, or got injured, rather, it was hard for them to kind of get back into the flow. And then when he came back, maybe they just weren't quite used to it and didn't quite get it to flow. Or I don't want to speculate um, whether he's 100% or not. But you just these are things that all play into all of this. But so you really hope that they can get it back together, but will it come this weekend against a very solid Temple team? Yeah, uh, you know, it's Temple's going to be really tough. They they have fans that travel. I mean, as much as the Big Five still matters, I think think Temple has a lot of support in this city, and um, so so that's going to be um, you know a, a game to look out for. I think there there are a couple kind of analogies from from other sports that could be useful here. One is. You know, is Wang hitting that that proverbial rookie wall that we talk about in the NBA a lot? And he had such a such a hot start. The whole team did, but really a lot of it was spurred by his hot start. Um, and to, you know, to to think he was playing high school ball out in California last year, and now he's expected to step up at Princeton and in Jadwin, and um, you know, not that that's that hostile of an environment. I think they were all home <laughs> on break, but still, it's it's something. And certainly going against better talent than he was out of Southern California. Um, you know, and and so maybe if he's hitting that rookie wall, we're gonna have to watch and, and see if he can work through it and, and get back this season to, to where he was. And and there's cert- certainly he has the potential to. And, and I think a lot of that's gonna be coaching and how um, Donahue keeps instilling confidence in him. And because um, I mean he he definitely has the talent. The the other thing I think to think about is what you know you bring up that team that started 0 and six and came back. Um, I think you know it's it's a little bit like uh, when we talk about about NFL teams, you know, some teams like to play from behind, um, you know, it, when, when you force them, uh, force their quarterback to step up in the pocket, make deep throws, do these sorts of things, that's where they excel, and so, so it can actually be dangerous to have a small lead over them. And there's other teams that uh, kind of, you know, would, would rather play from ahead, grit and grind, run down the clock, um, run the football. Um, you know, I think when you're an underdog, when you're, you know, tough and uh, people are counting you out, that that's the kind of team that you might rather drop a couple games in the beginning because then they get that you know no one believes in us that that uh, you know fighter mentality they're going to fight their way back. If you get a team that the whole season everyone's talking about how much fun it's going to be to be in the NCAA tournament um, and they're looking past the entire Ivy League season and then they drop a couple games, uh, I, I think you you know that that's a real coaching challenge because that's a team with an attitude where. Um, you'd start to worry about people quitting on the whole season. And, and when they don't have that underdog, that, that kind of fighter mentality, and I'm, I'm not saying this team doesn't, I'm saying you know, when you're that talented and the expectations are so high, that's, I think, a risk that you run. And It'll be interesting to see how Donahue manages that. But. Yeah, no question. I mean, this team has said from the onset that their whole mentality and their whole identity 
really is based around grit. And they've called themselves a gritty team. They embrace that and they love being called that. And I really think that we're gonna see just how gritty they are in this upcoming stretch. And you know, we'll touch on the Temple game here in a little bit, but you know, it might not come this weekend and it might not come, you know, maybe against St. Joe's either. But, you know, I think once you get into the Ivy League season, we're really going to see, like, how truly gritty this team is. Because now, you know, it wasn't also like they were getting beat by a lot of points by Princeton, you know. A couple balls go a few different ways here and there. You know, you're talking about different games, and maybe they're 3-0 and in this stretch in these last three games rather than 0-3. But I think that I agree absolutely with what you said. Like, maybe this team just plays better with their back against the wall. Right. And... I think that's a very reasonable thing to say, and I think we're just going to find out how well they do play with their back against the wall in this upcoming stretch. Definitely. I mean, I mean, the the other kind of narrative here that you got to think about is, um, you know, when you're in the Big Five, and and I know as much as the Big Five doesn't maybe matter to people in in Philly or on campus as much as it used to, it definitely matters to the people in this team. When you can beat Villanova, who's been dominating the Big Five for the better part of a decade or 15 years. Um, you have to be thinking about, man, if we can just get through Temple, if we can just get through St. Joe's, I think they already beat LaSalle, Mm -hmm. um, we're going to have this uh, big five title all to ourselves. That's got to be a discussion. They they might not admit it in an interview, but that's got to be a discussion in the locker room. And and so, you know, there's extra weight on this Temple game. They're not just trying to come back from this this slide, but there's a a really, really a a title on the line. Right, and I mean, especially in a year where Villanova is coming off winning the national championship to then be able to beat them and have this unbelievable chance to be big five champions in like you said you know the conference where Villanova has really dominated lately it's a tremendous opportunity and so I think that if if they are able to pull it off it would just be an incredible incredible achievement absolutely Uh, so we're gonna pivot now to the women's basketball team Uh, they've also been action in action over the break and um actually played last night, suffered a tough loss to Villanova at home. Uh, covering that, that game and, and also here in the DP office with us uh, for his first time on the podcast, Danny Sherity, who's one of the new sports editors for this board. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It's glad to be here. Yeah. So um, you were at the Villanova game, obviously, um, as, as Carter was. Uh, just any preliminary thoughts or, or kind of what, what are your takeaways from the team? Yeah, you know, um, when you look at it, obviously Alea, you can just tell by the stats, she dominated. She had, I think, eight offensive rebounds. Um, but really what was striking to me was the struggling guard play. You know, the guards really couldn't get much going. Um, as you know, their job is to get the team out and run, you know, and that's what they like to do. They like to right. get out off steals. <clears throat> um, and they really weren't able to do that yesterday. And I think that's what Coach McLaughlin, when he talked to me after the game, that's his, that was his main takeaway was we were just stuck in half-court offense essentially the whole game. And in the first half, they or in the first quarter, rather, they were able to get some open looks. I think Princess hit a three that put them up 13-2. to two, And from there, it looked like they were going to cruise. But really, they just got stagnant on offense. And then credit to Nova, too. They really closed out on on you know, the pen shooters. I think Ashley Russell, you know, she didn't have her best game. She filled up the stat sheet in other ways, but she only had two points. Um, 
you know, on several shots. So really, and that's someone who's been pretty prolific the past several games, too, right? So, yeah, and she's known for really being able to get her shot anywhere on the court. So I think, you know, Penn didn't play its best game, but I think you have to give Nova a ton of credit for how they played on defense. And this is a Nova women's team that uh, is now four and zero in the Big Five, so they they've secured that right uh, that title. Right. They're certainly putting together a good team this year. But um, kind of put put this into to context for us if you can. I mean, obviously um, they had a great win at Princeton, but prior to this game over break, and um, mm-hmm. you know have have been generally playing pretty well, uh, and now they're heading into the kind of the meat of Ivy season. So what? What's the context right, of this right. game in terms of that? Yeah, so, well, I mean, first of all, when you look at it, this team has lost to ranked number one Notre Dame, who is and has been one of the best teams in the country right. for years. Lost by less than Princeton, right? Lost by 20 points, right. which, you know, I mean, a loss is a loss, but, yeah. you you know, overall that's a positive take, you know, it's a positive takeaway from that game. Right, they scored 55 they lost Not to bad. Maine by one point on a tip-in. You know, yep. obviously the game that they wish they could have back. And then they lost this game, you know, a tough city game to a team, like you said, that's 4-0 in the Big Five. Um, and overall in this series, Nova is now 43-3, and I believe. You might want to check on that. 43-3 and against Penn all time. So it's not like we're used to beating them. Right. Um, Although last year, I believe... Last year, Penn Penn did win the Big Five. But my point in saying all this is that, you know, as as we know, it's all about Ivy League play, and it always has been, really. Mm -hmm. I mean, realistically, there's not going to be an Ivy team anytime soon, it doesn't seem like, that's going to get an at-large bid, either on the men's or the women's side in the NCAA tournament. Um, And really, I mean, that away Princeton win was huge, so... I don't think, you know, I think Coach McLaughlin and I think his team knows this, that they they really have nothing to be worried about. As long as they come out, I think they play Cornell on February 1st. Um, yeah. That game should be a good one. and I, I, do, I don't expect them to miss a beat, really. No. Yeah, I mean, it seems like if they're able to take some of those losses or take some of those lessons from the losses that they've had and really apply them to the Ivy League season, that really what we thought might have been not their best year relative to the past few could end up being a really great, fantastic and great surprise for them ultimately at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, I was, you know, Coach McLaughlin, he was saying this at the beginning of the year. I mean, I I don't want to quote him, but, um, you know, I I think he expected, and I think we all kind of expected this year to maybe be a bit of a transition year. I right. know they have some good young players like Mia and obviously Alea is only a sophomore. They're still, you know, trying to get more experience and obviously when you lose players like Michelle and Anna, you expect almost to have a down year, but it's been anything but that this year. And that's I think to a lot of us been a bit surprising. Obviously they've only played one Ivy game. Right. So they're still a long way to go. Who knows? Maybe team could spring up, uh, could you know surprise some people. But so far, it looks like Penn is that surprise team in a way. Right. Mm-hmm. No, I mean a ton was written about that, you know losing these great players, losing these these all time great players, and mm-hmm. um, it, it's 
certainly impressive. I, th I think, you know, Alea's been a big part of it. Her, her leadership was something that we were kind of all, all interested in, in watching moving into the season. But I think as much as the guards struggled at Villanova, they've been, I think, an equally big part of this um, kind of resurgent Penn team. You know, Ashley Russell, Phoebe Sturba, and that, you know, that, not the only ones, but they've mm -hmm. really been prolific. And I think especially the way that um, they've been able to kind of extend the, the floor and, and shoot from outside has been impressive. Right, and I mean, like you said, Phoebe in that Princeton game, right? They wouldn't have won without her. Definitely. Um, you know, and even Kendall Grassella, she, you know, this is her first year starting, um, but I think she's been doing a good job. You know, when they need her, just in transition, running Definitely. the offense when they need her to. So really, I mean, it's cliche. All, every single coach uses this, but it's it's really been a team effort. I think from yeah. what, you know from what I've seen. Um, obviously, you look at Alea, and she is typically dominant, but you need the pieces around her to, right. you know, get the team to the top. And I, th I think they do have those pieces. And then just one more thing about yesterday's game. Even with the, quote, poor guard play, I guess, you know, you, you could say, or at least the, right. you know, subpar guard play from what they're used to, they were still in the game till. Yeah. Mm -hmm the final buzzer and really it took I mean Nova hit some just unbelievable threes they were unconscious in, from three really in yeah. in the fourth quarter especially right. which um, you know it was good defense by Penn um, you know like Mark Jackson says on ESPN good defense better offense mm -hmm. um, <laughs> that was I mean that really was the case in that game you know yeah it's true I mean Villanova won by eight, but they outscored Penn by ten in the fourth quarter. So it really was a lot closer than I think it would mm -hmm. uh, look or appear just looking at the final score. Um, also, like, I, I, this just made me think of I, I was talking to Alea before the start of this season mm -hmm. last semester, um, kind of about how because I, I feel like a lot of what they were so successful um, at last season was that defenses would focus so much on the, the great Michelle Nochetti. Uh, and mm -hmm. that would give Alea and, and other people, but primary, pr primarily Alea down low, a lot of room to operate. Um, now I just asked her, like, are you concerned now that you're going to be the focus of the defense? What's going to happen? And um, I think she's, and this is what she told me, she's really relishing this opportunity now. You know, she, she said she wants that double team. She loves to pass mm -hmm. up the double yeah. team to somebody to take a three or to, to do whatever they're going to do. Uh, if they want a double team, triple team, or whatever it takes to try and take her out of the game, um, she, she loves being... Uh, being able to set up her teammates, so I think that you know um, she deserves a lot of credit for that, uh, that right. guard play and, and and kind of being the focus of that because certainly she's um, filled that role well. Which right, yeah, and she's definitely the, how they run their offense. I mean, right. I'm looking at it, she got almost 30 shots last night, 25 points, 17 rebounds. I mean, that's, that's just, an NBA that's, stat. That's line. an awesome stat line. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but also you know credit to Nova for making her take that many shots. Right. Because I think one thing, like you said, with her passing out of double teams, um, I think that Penn could have that they could have done that even better last game. I think, you know, she got the ball down low a lot and got a lot of good shots and got a lot of offensive rebounds, which is why she had so many shots. But I think the team passing just in general and passing out of double teams mm -hmm. could have been better last game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean it's it's something that you know think about kind of at all levels of basketball. Uh, on the on the men's and women's side, right? But w when you're going up against, you know, a smothering defense like that, do you have someone who can step up and just take the shot 
and if there's no open uh, open person to pass to, or I even if they're double teamed, and um, it's a hard thing to ask for anybody. It's a hard thing to ask for a sophomore. Uh, mm -hmm. I think you know, um, Alea's a very talented player, and and uh, I think she'll she'll only get better and better at, at being able to take over games. But this may have just been a little too much from this Villanova defense. But definitely, yeah, yeah. I'm still confident in both the men's and the women's basketball teams. Um, we talked a lot about the women's team, but in terms of the men's team, really just all, all they got to do is get into the top four. Um, obviously, two um, losses that they wish they would have had back against Princeton early on, but I'm just excited to see how this all plays out. Quick, what's your prediction on the Temple game this weekend? Temple game this weekend? Um, I'm, I'm going to get... I'm going to have to go with the Owls on this one. Um, so you think Penn goes to 0-4 on, on the slide, pull, pulls it back together for Ivy play? I think so. I think, you know, Temple is a really good team. Definitely. Uh, Fran Dunphy will be fired up, I think, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, in no his last game. That. In his last game against Penn. Right. Um, and I just, I need to see something from Penn before I, you know, pick them against a good team like Temple, to be honest. So. Definitely. Well... Hope the Quakers can prove you wrong. Thanks again for coming on the podcast. Having the past. Yes. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Sam. All right, and now uh, we are going to talk about some college hoops outside of the Ivy League. We were obviously sad that college football was over and we can no longer do our picks, but um, I think college basketball season is going to be very exciting, um, with a lot for us to talk about. Right off the top, before we, before we make our picks for the marquee matchups, let's talk a little bit about your beloved Florida State Seminoles card. They've had a very strong start to the season and then a little bit of disappointment for you, but um, why don't you give your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I was lucky enough to be home over the Christmas break to watch, I think, three FSU basketball games. I watched them more notably play Miami and then Duke. Um, a week ago in Miami the, considered a rivalry game for oh big time Knowles? yeah big time um, not as much in basketball um, but still very much so but yeah we had a certainly an excellent start to the season our only loss ironically was to Nova um, through the out of conference schedule and then have kind of gotten off to a shaky start here in the conference play but I'll the reason that we're talking about this is because I got to watch Duke freshman phenom Zion Williamson play up close in person and he really was truly as good as advertised if not better and if you followed that game at all you know that he left with an eye injury where he got poked in the eye and didn't return to the game and he was out the entire second half but nonetheless I got to watch him play the entire first half and he was just spectacular but then equally as impressive were R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish, the other two fantastic wings for Duke. And that is just a very unique and cool opportunity for me to watch most likely the top three picks in the NBA draft on yeah. one team playing against the team that I was rooting for, which ultimately didn't work out for me so well, given that Cam Reddish won the game for Duke on a buzzer beater. But it was still an excellent experience. Nonetheless, definitely, and I mean, only losing by two to the number one team in the country, you know, that, that that's a loss that I, I'm sure it stings in the moment, but yeah, you can stomach on your schedule. The loss to Pitt is a little uh, harder to explain. Yes, uh, that the is true. Lost to well, Pitt by 13. Um, yeah, but maybe a little hungover from the loss. Yeah, carried over a little I think, bit. I think so. 
but there's there's a lot of ACC um, schedules still left to play. Got got BC coming up and, mm-hmm. and some other other tough games. Yeah. Not, not that BC will necessarily be tough, but mm-hmm. similarly to Penn, we're going to find out what they're really truly made of in these next couple of weeks. Definitely, and I think so. They're they're number eleven right now, right? Yes, um, yeah. and you know, I know you're hoping after this uh, pretty disappointing uh, FSU football season that you can get a little bit more, um, a little bit more out of the basketball team. But well, that's what I was hoping. I was hoping after our football season ended so poorly and how Clemson ended up winning the national championship, that my sports luck was going to turn around once basketball season really kicked off. And so far, FSU has lost their last three games, and so that might not be happening anytime soon. <laughs> well, uh, but there's still time. There's, there's time there's to de- recover. Definitely still time, um, and you've certainly got a talented team. Uh, so anyway, uh, let's get into our picks. First up, we've got what's really going to be an awesome matchup. Uh, U- UVA, the undefeated Cavaliers from Virginia are traveling to Cameron Indoor to face the Duke Blue Devils, who are, despite not being undefeated, the number one team in the country, in part because of Zion Williamson, uh, who you saw in person. So this is going to be, I think, talked about by a lot of people leading up to this match and um, should be really incredible. But what's your prediction here? I really, truly believe that Virginia is going to walk into Cameron Indoor and absolutely blow out Duke. I think that it's not even going to be close. I think that, first of all, Trey Jones, who is the Duke point guard, another spectacular freshman, is out. He has some sort of shoulder injury, and they're not sure how long he's going to be out for, but I believe that he's already been ruled out for this game. And he was really the engine that made Duke go. Um, He was able to facilitate the offense and get a lot of those fantastic players some open looks. And I think with him being out, they're not going to flow as well offensively. And in addition to that, Virginia plays extremely well-disciplined defense and offense. And I think that Duke, having so many freshmen, has not really been tested in the way that Virginia is going to test them. I think Virginia is going to bully them on both ends of the court, and it's going to make Duke uncomfortable. And the fact that it's going to even be happening in Cameron Indoor might make it worse. But... I think that Virginia handles Duke pretty easily. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's going to be a blowout, but I'm definitely picking Virginia, yeah, even though they're on the road. Uh, for a lot of the reasons you listed, I think also you know that um, Virginia is going to provide something that Duke hasn't really seen before. You know, they haven't played that many good teams at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they they spent spent a while uh, earlier in December playing you know teams like Yale, who are really mm-hmm. pretty worthless, uh, and then. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you've got this Virginia team who's been known for the past several years to play really incredible, gritty, tough defense. Uh, this year, and the reason they're still undefeated is because they've added, you know, an incredible uh, offense. They, they've been scoring, pr- pretty much putting up a ton of points on everybody. Um, and, you know, if, if you look at Duke's schedule, um, they're potentially in for a rude awakening. I mean, they're so incredibly talented that they could easily just, you know, blow right through and win the ACC and not have any problem, but I mean, they their hardest game in the last month was probably Florida State, mm-hmm. um, and, and you know, not counting this game, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after this, it's, it's interesting how the schedule got worked out, because they've got five games against teams that aren't the best team in the bunch, probably St. Mm-hmm. John. And then they've got 
Virginia, Louisville, number 16 State, number 13 UNC, a very good and tough Syracuse team, number 9 Virginia Tech, an underachieving but still talented Miami team, Wake Forest, and then Carolina in the rivalry game to end the season. I mean, talk about a ringer. They're going to be asking a lot from their freshmen, both physically and as far as mental toughness and focus. Um, and, you know, I, I just – this is getting getting off the rails a little bit, but this is just interesting how this schedule worked out because that last month of the, month or month and a half of the season is going to really be um, really be tough for, for Duke. And so, you know, this is the first test that we're seeing. I think it's going to tell us a lot. Um, you know, I think this, the Syracuse game, game did too, really, but mm -hmm. – um, which Duke loss, uh, obviously, um, right. and I, I think they drop this one too, and um, you know, have some time to lick their wounds against Pitt and Georgia Tech. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna definitely be tuned into that one because I just really want to see. First of all, fantastic matchup, but second of all, just like you said, very curious to see how Duke answers the bell here, and how they perform with this, you know, exceptionally challenging test of a UVA team. Definitely. All right, so the next matchup, we've got an SEC showdown, Kentucky at Auburn. I think uh, it's interesting a little bit because in Auburn you've got a team that's you know been a little little sneaky good the last few years. It got all the way up to a five seed last year, I believe, um, versus a Kentucky team who's having a down year but is still talented and could definitely, um, I mean, will, will obviously be in the tournament and, and could definitely uh, you know, turn things around and, and be dangerous in March. Um, so kind of, a, kind of a team on the rise and a team on the decline a little bit, um, and they're going to be playing down in Alabama. What, what are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, this one's tough because I think that Auburn's a very well-coached basketball team. Bruce Pearl has really done really good things with this program lately. But then, like you said, Kentucky... He's been dropping the bag is what he's been doing. <laughs> hey, that's not wrong. But then you've got Kentucky, too, who obviously, like you said, is so talented and has so much raw potential um, you know, I was just looking at this game. Both the both the teams are four and five, or four and one rather, in their last five games, and similar type of style. They both like to kind of get out in open space and run and score a lot of points. Um, and so, really, to me, this one's going to be a toss up. But I like Kentucky. Um, I think that this maybe is one of those games where, at the end of the season, if they have some kind of magical run, you say, well, maybe this is the game where they kind of turned the table and really started playing at a super high level that many people thought before the season that they were indeed capable of. Definitely. I mean, this, uh, I'm, I'm also going to pick Kentucky, actually. Um, I think it's going to be real close. Um, you know, Bruce Pearl, as much as he's been a, a good recruiter, has also uh, been a good game-time coach for them. Um, but I, I just think that, you know, um, Kentucky's got the talent uh, and, you know, Coach Cal is uh, a Hall of Famer, and he's gonna, you know, uh, he, a lot of a lot of his strategy over the years has been to to manufacture a little adversity early. I think they've been manufacturing a lot of adversity early this season, <laughs> um, but I, I do still have faith that they'll turn it around, and, and this would be a good time to do it. I mean, this is not their biggest SEC rival by a long shot, but a, a conference game's a conference game, and. Uh, it'd be a good chance to show everybody that the Wildcats are still hanging around on national television. Mm -hmm. No doubt about it. Great. So let's uh, move into our final game, Big Ten Showdown, Michigan versus Wisconsin. Uh, your beloved Badgers going up against the, uh, the Michigan team. And uh, what, what are your thoughts here, Card? 
I think that at the end of this game, the Badger fans are going to be jumping around to jump around by House of Pain. It's going to be a beautiful sight to see them doing it on the middle of the court on ESPN on SportsCenter. I am going to be jumping for joy as well, and Michigan is going to end up dropping their first game of the season. It is the perfect game for an upset because Michigan's playing, and second of all, because Wisconsin has lost four of their last five games, nobody thinks they have a chance, but they're playing at home. This is going to be like a Super Bowl for them. They want to knock this team off, and it's going to happen. Sorry, Mark. I'm going to have to disagree with you. Yeah, sh- shout out to Mark. Uh, fans of the pod will know that uh, Mark's parents, or M- Mark's mom went to Michigan, and Mark's big Michigan fan, um, so I'm sure he'll be watching that game from across the pond. Um, I'm going to have to pick Michigan here. There's a lot of reasons. One is that, uh, you know, this Wisconsin team, they're tough. They, they do what Wisconsin teams do best. They grit and they grind. They've, they've got uh, Buzz Cut Brad, who's uh, become famous for his short haircut and for his, uh, you know, the, the way that he plays. He, he reminds me a lot of Jake Silpy, actually. Um, just, you know, diving on the floor, crashing into people, real, real gritty type basketball. Um, and they're you know they've got a, a, a sneaky team this year. They're not going to be a one seed, but they're they're going to be hanging around. I think uh, towards the end of the season. Um, Michigan, on the other hand, is clearly one of the best. I think you could argue they're the best team in basketball right now. They're finally up to number two uh, in the rankings um, after Duke. With Duke, you know, possibly dropping this UVA game, they're going to be focused on getting that number one seed. I think they're going to be bringing their A game. Uh, against Wisconsin, and I think uh, the Badgers are just going to be, as tough as they are, going to be a little outmatched. Just get used to it. <laughs> get used to hearing it on SportsCenter for the next week. <laughs> okay, that's all. that's all we needed for that. That's all we need for that. Um, yeah, well, you know, we'll certainly have our eyes on all three of those games. Um, Will Will Carter come back and have to eat crow, or will he be mocking Mark from from afar yet again? I guess tune in next week to find out. Um, we're not going to do Hard Nosed Player of the Week. I know it's everybody's favorite segment every week, but we're going to skip it until we get a third um, to replace Mark uh, because it's just you know not enough competition between Carter and I uh, without him here anymore. Hard yeah, to pick a champion among two champions. It's true, you know. Without Mark to constantly lose, how can Carter and I constantly win? Mm-hmm. So, uh, anyway, this has been the penalty box. Uh, we are very proud to be a part of the DP Podcast Network. Um, lots of other great podcasts coming out this week. Um, make sure to check out the Trillist and Bottoms on Top. Uh, also, make sure to check out the DP.com. We've got a lot of great content. Are you writing this week, Carter? Yes, I'm doing a supplement for the preview for the Temple game, talking about how it is Coach Fran Dunphy's last game against Penn in his now final year at Temple. He was obviously a legendary Penn coach, and so it'll be be fun to talk to Coach Donahue about what Dump has meant to Coach Donahue. So look for that as well. Awesome. Yeah, definitely check that out. That'll be a great article. I know, uh, I think, did you write the article last year about the big five coaches? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they... They've got this, at, or you, you can talk about it if you want, but they've got this great relationship within the Big Five, and so that'll be definitely an article to check out. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and obviously, for those of you that know, Fran Dunphy um, 
Coach Donahue was his first and primary assistant at Penn when Dumphy was the coach at Penn, and now obviously Donahue has followed in his footsteps, and they're still very close. Um, very unique and powerful relationship between those two. So very cool story overall. Definitely. Yeah, so keep an eye out for that article. Keep an eye out for all the other DP Sports content that will be on the website. Um, it's going to be a great semester, and we're all very excited. So we'll see you next week. Good night, Canada.